There are those who say that life is an illusion and that reality is simply a figment of the imagination. If this is so, then Brad and Janet are quite safe. However, the sudden departure of their host and his creation into the seclusion of his somber bridal suite had left them feeling both apprehensive and uneasy. Okay, retro go. Hello and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is Wait, you haven't seen? It's a show where we talk about movies, and specifically we talk about a movie at least one of us has never seen before. I'm your host Travis, aka TV's Travis. This is episode number 138. It is Halloween. It is the final day of Spooktober. And to celebrate it, we are talking about the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And joining me to talk about it, she's seen it many, many times. It is Christina. How you doing? I'm doing great. It is one of my favorite movies. This is definitely top five. Awesome. And you took the time to dress up as Magenta for the evening, which I appreciate very much. Thank you. Yep. And joining us, we have two, count them, two people who had never seen this before. Two Rocky Horror Picture Show virgins. One of them is Monica. Monica, how are you? Hi. I'm good. And I'm here. And (laughs) I'm awake. Well, those are three good things. And also, having never seen it before and seeing it for the first time this weekend, Wesley, how are you? Hello, hello. I am also here. Well, good. I'm I'm also awake because I changed time zones this weekend, so Ah. it's an hour earlier for me. Well, that makes it easier. We do that next weekend. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Uh, All right, so neither of you had seen this movie before. Um, are you, how familiar, Monica, were you with kind of the Rocky Horror Show in general? Um, um, I, um, when I was like a teenager, uh, I made a bunch of horror friends. So we used to go to all the conventions and stuff and there were plans to go watch this movie in the theater because mm-hmm. they were still playing it like every, I think it was like once a month they had a midnight showing. Yeah. And, um. Just, it never worked out, and, oh, even before that, though, I should say that as a as a little kid in the video store, the uh, the box, when I would see the box, and I'd be like, oh, I want to rent that, and it was just like, you know, it was too um, risque, you would uh-huh. say, for my parents to let me rent, so as a kid, it was always like, oh, I wonder what that movie's about, and then when when I got older, my friends who had been to see the movie in the in the theater and, and all that, you know, trying to convince me to go. And it just never worked out. And it was like it's kinda like I was I was saving myself for something special like this show. Aw. Well it is best to see it with a group of friends at the theater. Yeah, it is. But this was it was something special doing the show. <laughs> yes. Yep. You you you. If you're not going to get to see it in a theater at a midnight showing with a group of people throwing rice at the screen and all all the other things that they do, uh, this is a great secondary uh, way to see it. So I'm glad that you got to see it, Wesley. How about you? How familiar were you with the Rocky Horror Show in general, the movie, the stage play, whatever, prior to watching it? I knew of the title and I knew it existed. Okay. Uh, I knew Full Tim version. Curry Full was version. in this. Yep. You knew Tim Curry was in it? Yes, I knew the anticipation thing. Sure. From gifts or, you know, just in general usage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's about it. Okay. All right. Was it something that you were at all interested in seeing at some point? Or was it just sort of you knew it existed and that was it and it never really like captured your attention? Yeah. And that's indeed how it is. I never really, you know. Sure. No, that's, also that's knew no one that actually wanted to watch it. So like Monica, when she had friends, even though it didn't happen. Uh, I don't know if that was actually a thing over here in Belgium. Sure. Anyone actually does those kind of viewings? Uh, not that I know of. So. so one of the things about this movie is this is the definition of a cult classic. Um, 
This movie was made in 1974, 1975. It cost about $1.2 million, roughly estimated to make, based on a musical um, that was written by Richard O'Brien. And Riff Raff! <clears throat> yep. Richard O'Brien, who played Riff Raff, wrote the original stage play, wrote the music that's in this, um, and he wanted to, to make it into a movie. They did. It made uh, a whopping estimated uh, $112,000 in uh, the U.S. Wow. I think. Is that, am I reading yeah. that right? Maybe not. It is, it's original showings, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. It bombed hardcore at its opening, but then theaters started playing it later at night, and they started using it as a midnight showing, and it took on a life of its own. And it is the longest-running theatrical release of a film of all time because it is still being shown in theaters today. Uh, yep. There was even, I think, a theater. I want to say it's in Germany somewhere, maybe. I'd have to find out which one exactly it is that has been showing it weekly for uh, 45 years. They've been showing it as a midnight showing weekly for that long. Um, and that's that's where the movie, it just took on a life of its own. And that's why, it is, to me, it's probably the ultimate cult classic. Um, yeah, uh, Bombats in our chat is from Germany, and he is saying that uh, he's pretty sure it's somewhere, but he doesn't remember where. But that that's the thing. Like, it is... You know, it is the the definite the definition of a cult classic. It didn't do well. It found its niche, and it has gone from there. And I mean, anything that can run that long in any single theater, let alone multiple theaters. I know theaters in my town here that play it yearly. Um, and you mentioned like festivals, and it's an event, and it is best. That is the best environment to see it in, because this isn't. It has a story. There, there is a sort of story in there, but it's really the spectacle of seeing it. It's the music. It's the experience of all of that. Either see it live in a theater setting like that or see a stage production of it. I've seen my local um, stage production was phenomenal. Um, they, they went all out. They had basically everything except the pool um, because there was no way they were going to be able to put a giant pool on the, the stage of the playhouse here. Just, oh come on! <laughs> by the way, that is that is such a great looking shot from above, looking down at that pool where it's got uh, is that Michelangelo's The Birth of Man that was like the tile at the bottom of the pool. I love yeah. that. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just it's such a cool movie, and I'm really glad that you got to at least see it in and and kind of get to somewhat appreciate. It. So uh, I'll start with you, Monica. What did you think of it? Did you have a good time watching it? Um, I had a pretty good time watching it, actually. I think, I think had I seen it younger, yes, I always say that. <laughs> um, it, um, the time warp, like, I had actually, now that I think about it, I have, you know, heard that before and, and danced to it. I didn't know the dance, but I just pretended because, like, I was the horror girl. Mm -hmm. Of course, of course I had seen Rocky Horror Picture Show. Come on, like, <laughs> I never admitted that. I'm going to tell you that right now. I would just be like, yeah, of course it's in. You know, because like you don't, you don't want to be that. Well, you don't want to be the virgin, right? They right. tell you the steps. Come on. <laughs> well, in the movie. <laughs> oh, right in the song. No, yeah. Like it was really fun. the The curator guy was pretty great, and uh, oh, I called him the curator. Uh, the the narrator guy, I should say. Yeah. Um. He made me laugh quite a few times. Um. And uh. I have to say, like, Tim Curry, like, I love him in so many things, but my God, he is the sexiest thing ever in this movie. Can I say that? Well, Absolutely. Because yeah. you're not he wrong is... at all. Yeah, he my nailed it. God. What he started doing. Yeah, this was his feature film debut, was this movie. Um, really? And he started and off. He did the stage play beforehand. Yep. He had done the stage play. I actually liked the trivia um, that I found where apparently at the time Richard O'Brien was a little jealous of him because he was kind of getting the good lines and he was getting the the fanfare and all that. Um, but yeah, this was that was his feature film debut was the Rocky Horror Picture Show and he just kills it. And yes. it's this campy, fun, just experience is the only way I can put it. Um, I always forget, and and I know Barry Bostwick is in it as Brad Majors, but I. I never remember it's him because I it, it's so hard for me to picture him without silver hair. It, it doesn't look like yeah. him. Like I looked at him, I'm like, 
He's like, even because if you look on, uh, if you watch it on Amazon, it, you get like the X-ray, so it shows you the picture of him. <laughs> right. And I'm like, I know you're seeing like, his IMDb the... picture, and he's got the silver hair and the, I think probably the beard, you know, because he's beard had that glasses. forever. He's 30 years old in this movie, and he does. He looks like a baby. He's so mm-hmm. young. Um, but him and Susan Sarandon, uh, Richard O'Brien as Riff Raff is just awesome. Like he's got that wonderful humpback thing going on, but he weighs about, I don't know what, 75 pounds. Like he is a twig. Um, I've gone on to know him as, uh, the dad, um, in Phineas and Ferb. He went on to do that, um, and, and voice that character and probably write a bunch of the songs in that or help write them, I bet. Um, But it's one of Meatloaf for for a small role, uh, Meatloaf in 1975, and he kills it. And that was another trivia piece where apparently Richard O'Brien... He kills it. <laughs> but I'm bumped. Richard O'Brien gave him the music and was like, don't worry if you can't if you can't nail the song. Nobody that does the stage play can. And he looked at it and he was like, I don't see what the problem is and, and just does the song because he's Meatloaf and the guy is amazing. Mm-hmm. Also... Yeah, except he doesn't like motorbikes. Well, no. Um, and that, from from what I read, that scene was a, a nightmare to shoot. Actually, from what I read, this whole movie was kind of a nightmare to shoot. Um, the motorcycle stuff was fraught with a lot of uh, issues with stunt people and, and the way the stunts were coordinated. And, like, Meatloaf was, all of his shots in that were him on, like, a wheelchair with a motorcycle front end, and they would just tow that. Yep. Um, and... Uh, but he he's so good in this. And then there's the the reveal of his of Eddie's corpse underneath the table in that coffin mm-hmm. that a, supposedly nobody knew uh, except for Tim Curry, Richard O'Brien, and the director or me and Meatloaf because he had it uh, that that was going to be there. So like, there's moments like that where like people reactions are genuine. Um, Tim Curry supposedly hit Richard O'Brien with that whip once, um, not on purpose, like just accidentally did. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all those kinds of things that just crack me up. Like I love little moments like that. I was reading about how cold it was because Susan Sarandon got uh, pneumonia while shooting the movie. And when you watch it, you can tell because you can see their breath in so many scenes. You're like, oh God, it's got to be freezing. And they're shooting with rain and all that kind of stuff. Ugh, brutal. And I guess the, the, where they shot, they didn't really have like a good green room for them to hang out in. There was like one room that had heaters in it. So they would all huddle in there in between takes. But well, it ain't, they weren't wearing very much clothes. That's also mm-hmm, true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but uh, it made for some good stuff. Um, I also like how the crashing through the wall of the doctor in the wheelchair was a last minute thing because the set decorator forgot to put a door on the set. So they're like, oh, my God. Well, I guess we'll just have him crash through a wall then. Oh, I was going to say that didn't make any sense. But I was like, all right, I went with it. Yeah, I mean, the, the magnet will help turn and twist and pull it through the house without any issues. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so silly. The, the thing about this movie, like, I don't, I've never not been a fan of campy movies, but it, it kind of depends on the the film, whether or not the camp lands for me. And in this one, it really does. And I think because it starts off, it's just so outlandish. And I've seen the stage plays. Um, and so... I really, really enjoy that uh, for it. Um, Wesley, you're very quiet over there, but I'm going to ask you now. What did you think of it? Did you have a decent time with it, yes or no? It was okay. <laughs> That's a callback hey, from I'll, the I'll movie. Take it. That's a I'll callback take it. from the movie. Yeah. So what's her beak um, at the end? It's He's okay. Like, <laughs> when he revives his monster, uh, they're all like, oh, wow, wow. And there's one, no, he's okay. Yeah. So, I love yeah. Columbia. Um, I'm gonna say a couple of things. Monica's sure. gonna kill me for this, but the only thing horror about this was in the title. Yeah. Well, and him. I mean, it's uh, it's based on Frankenstein. Yeah. Well, yes, but Frankenstein is made of from different body parts of corpses, and you can see it. This dude look anything yeah. but Frankenstein's monster. I mean, that is yeah. the parody part. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's Hence it's he's, a parody and not a horror. He's a well, sex doll. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's 
wanting. Uh, secondly, what was I going to say? I don't remember. Um, I feel like, okay, musicals, I don't usually watch musicals. And it felt like when you have a story for a movie and you're like, well, we are only like going to have a half an hour of a movie. So let's just sing everything. And then it stretches out to be an entire movie. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Which is not bad. I mean, the songs were good. I did enjoy the music. You could definitely hear Meatloaf. Yeah. In the rock songs, especially. It's like, yeah, that's just Meatloaf with sillier text. Um, so I did enjoy that. And Tim Curry, brilliant, of course, as always. The man could really do no wrong. I mean, Tim Curry is great. It yep. was, I mean, it, you're not wrong in that it is a very a very light story stretched out with music. In fact, the time warp uh, was added to make it longer uh, because originally I think it, was, it, wasn't lo- it wasn't that long and they added another song to it. But it is, it's a... The time warp is the best part, by the way. That well, just... That that whole thing, it like fills you with friggin' electrical energy. And I was just like, by the end of it, I'm just like, I see why people love this movie. Like, it's just. Yeah, yeah it, it yeah. really comes down to that music is just, the music is great throughout it. And it's it's memorable. It's iconic. Mm-hmm. And, and I wonder, what version did you guys get to see? Well, it's. Uh, whichever one is on Amazon. Is there okay. a, a way to tell? Like a special yeah, scene that's cut out or it's, something? Well, it's it's a, a, a an entire skit that's cut out of the U.S. version versus the U.K. version. Oh, you can you can find it's at the end. It's just a, basically a song. Um, basically, when the castle takes off and you see them on the ground, there's actually a whole song dealing with it that they cut out. Oh, called yeah. superheroes. Yeah, we didn't see that part. Yeah, yeah, and and it's not. I mean, it doesn't change the movie at all. And it doesn't no. really change much of the experience for me anyway. Yeah, no. um, I've seen it either way. Um, in fact, I don't think, I think the stage production I saw of it also didn't have that song. Um, I think it just ended with uh, science fiction double feature again. Which Well, that still continues on afterwards, but uh-huh. yeah. But I mean, Can it didn't I have that you? song. The, the stage productions with the narrator, is he like always on stage off in a corner or does he just come on to do his parts? What I remember, and the, the last time I saw it on stage was 2006, I think, I want to say. So, but he came out onto stage and did his thing. Yep. Okay. Of the ones I've seen, he walks out onto the stage, does the narration, and then walks off. Because a lot of that would be, you know, between scenes where they could be redressing the set, uh, setting it up yeah. for the next scene. He would, the narrator would come out, the criminologist is who it is, mm-hmm. um, who in this version is played by Charles Gray, and he's awesome. Uh, Charles Gray, if you're not familiar with the name, was actually in two different James Bond movies as um, two different characters. He played Blofeld in um, uh, one of the one of the Roger Moore. I can't remember which one now. Um, and then he was also in You Only Live Twice. I, Diamonds Are Forever. That's where he played Blofeld. Um, I actually remember him from an old Sherlock Holmes uh, series that ran on Granada Television for a long time. He played Mycroft uh, several times, uh, and and so I always remember him from that. He's great as the criminologist, though. He just plays that yeah. part so perfectly, and I love. You made me laugh. Uh, and I, I really love in the movie how they keep cutting back to him, like during the time warp. Yes, it's yes. so so well done. Because he's just like, even he can't help but have a good time to this, you know, like to that one part. So, yeah, that part I really, I really like. I'm not going to say there aren't like, you know, obviously stuff that's aged not well or whatever. And now I'm seeing it, you know, like uh, 46 years later. So, um, but I still, you know, you have to give kind of a little bit to older movies sometimes because it's a different time. And Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. But the, the message behind the movie remains yeah. the same some of the terminology that they use hasn't aged well um but yeah overall like it's just fun and you can tell they're having fun making it one of the things i found most interesting was so the director of this is um where's his name jim Char- Sharman. he's not known for a whole lot most of his stuff uh was kind of this same feel uh these sort of stage plays made into films 
Uh, but so um, was it 20th Century Fox offered him a larger budget uh, to make this movie, and but there it was contingent that he hire musical artists that were popular during the time. So I think Mick Jagger was one that they wanted, possibly as Frankenfurter, um, and all this. He didn't want to do that. He wanted as many of the original stage cast to be in this movie as he could because he felt like they're going to do it the best version and they're going to know it the best. And so he actually took a smaller budget in order to make this movie with Tim Curry, with Richard O'Brien. Um, and I think it was Tim Curry, Richard O'Brien, Patricia Quinn, and who was Magenta. And I think Jonathan Adams was the other one. I don't remember. I know um, Susan Sarandon and Barry Bostwick were not. However, they were both um, did stage plays and things prior to this movie. So, but I, th- I thought that was kind of cool that he he's like, no, I'll I'll take the slower or the smaller budget, but I want these people in it um, because it, it's definitely better for that for sure. I just yes, think, I don't think it would be as iconic as it is. It wouldn't be. I I don't. I just don't think so because. Tim Curry especially really embodies Dr. Frankenfurter in in a way that because he had done it so much before that I don't think somebody like a Mick Jagger who I don't think of Mick Jagger as being a terrible actor even though some of the movies he's been in have been really bad um but he's Free Jack. Not, he's not going to have the same presence as Frankenfurter that Curry has Tim Curry can sing he can he can play the part and the dude looks great in a corset and heels. He's just Aww. sexy, though. He is, like, sex personified. And I always think that in most things that I watch him, which is ironic because I'm thinking about the fact that this is the second <laughs> Tim Curry movie that I'm watching for your show. <laughs> it's true. But I always just... I love him. Also He's funny so... how you like clowns, then. <laughs> well, um, I should tell you my theory of my friend gave me about clowns and how to get over your fear of them. Yeah, maybe we'll go into that one day. Um, and honestly, the only thing production wise, I don't love about it. And I, I get part of it is that it's supposed to, the character's supposed to be awkward, but Peter Hinwood as Rocky looks the part, but like at the end when they're doing the dance, he's so wooden cause he wasn't an actor. He this is one of two credits he has. Um, his other one was playing a character named Guy in some movie a few years earlier. He was a model. Yeah, yeah. Now he, last I remember hearing, he was running an antique shop. Yeah, he got out of acting uh, and show business in general. Um, he was really there just to to look that part, um, which you know he does. Uh, but he was just very wooden, and he couldn't sing, so they had to dub his voice for all the singing parts. Um, which is funny that the character who can't speak but can sing—it's one of those things that happens in musicals all the time—that cracks me up because Rocky doesn't speak. He just grunts and makes noises because he's very much Frankenstein's monster in that way. So, but he, he's fine. I just it would have been nice to have somebody that had a little more I don't know um, presence on on screen on stage. Um, but you know it, it's it's fun. Richard O'Brien as Riff Raff. Richard O'Brien playing that part. Half the stuff I captured audio wise was just him. I don't know what it is with his voice and the way he would say like hello. That I was just, I was like, oh, I love this. I want, I want to just hear him more. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, I also want like watching him when the camera goes to him when something else is happening. <laughs> yeah, His eyes are rolling, or mm-hmm. he's just giving a look. <laughs> There's a fair amount of fourth wall stuff, fourth wall breaking in this. A lot of oh uh, yeah, spiking yeah. the camera, looking right at the camera, um, mm-hmm. more than once. Tim Curry does it. We should write that down brilliantly a couple of times. His his, it's just hard. It's so hard to have a good timeline. Um, but there's like two or three mm-hmm. other times in the middle of something where he just looks straight at the camera while delivering whatever his line is. And it's just the look he gives is perfect. You got stuck with a flat. Well, how about that? <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. And then splashing his drink on the camera. Like that's, that's yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and what a great entrance too, coming down mm-hmm. in that elevator and he's wearing, he's got the, the cloak right up to his neck. Uh, it was it was great. This movie is just super fun. I don't know what else to say about it. I have a blast with it. I'd love to have you both get to see it in that in that environment of at a theater. So another movie that has the same kind of thing 
is, um, and it's not to this level at all. And <clears throat> it's the only way that I've ever seen the whole movie is the room. So the room is a movie that if you see it at a midnight showing where people are throwing plastic spoons at the screen and, and all the dumb stuff that they do for that, it's a much better experience watching that movie, but that movie is terrible and it's unwatchable outside of that environment. In my opinion, this movie at least is yes. watchable. I can, I can enjoy just sitting down and watching this once a year, just, just to, to refresh my memory with it. But getting to be in that environment, getting that, that energy of a, of a crowd like that, where you're the wedding scene in the beginning, people are throwing rice. And when it's raining, there's people in the back with like squirt guns that are raining on people. Um, I, I hope that someday, Monica, you get to have that experience. You get to find a theater and some friends and get to go see that. So oh, Yeah, that would be like an amazing experience. Uh, yeah, just the life and the energy of theater in general. It just makes everything, anything that you watch in a theater better. And uh, But I know that the people who go to watch these midnight showings are just so passionate. Like I've heard of like people like watching it over a hundred times and stuff like that and like I don't think I've seen any movie a hundred times. Have you? That doesn't sound like anyone we know. <laughs> what? Have, what did have you, you seen it over a hundred times? Uh, it, easily. Yeah. Hold I can that. believe that. I, I haven't seen it that many times, but I can believe you have for sure. I know people that have. I know people that were uh, in the stage production that I saw that had seen it probably 50 times prior to that. And then they did four showings a week for three or four weeks uh, of performing it before, um, you know, so... It is. It is what it is. Like I, I just think it's when you when it comes down to cult classics, that that term can get tossed around a little bit um, on some movies that maybe don't deserve it. But I feel like if any movie does ever, it's Rocky Horror Picture Show because it wasn't a hit and it doesn't have a wide appeal, but the people that love it love it. Mm-hmm. And we'll defend it and talk about it on, at length, whether you want them to or not, which is fine. <laughs> I have no problem with that. I love the passion behind it. Um, yeah. <clears throat> do you have, so when we're talking cult classics, I'm going to start with you, Wesley, because I'm curious to know, you have a very different taste in movies than I do. Uh, we have found often, not always, not always. Not always, as we have. As we have learned recently. <laughs> But do you have one of those movies that's like kind of that cult classic for you? And if you say Sky Sharks, I'm disconnecting you from the call. Um, so it can't be Sky Sharks. But Well, no, because Sky Sharks <laughs> is way too recently. His fingers Don't on the button. That again in a couple of years for that. Sure. Um, cult classic, damn. I well, am not prepared for that question. All right, well, while you think about technically, that. Technically, like, stuff like Evil Dead is a cult even though it's yeah yeah that Evil fits Dead, the bill. army of Popular darkness now, that's cult classic those kind of things yeah basically a cult classic is something that didn't originally do well it wasn't ex- it wasn't okay. accepted or it wasn't a big hit but it gar- it garnered a passionate fan base after the fact firefly oh, firefly oh, would be hurts. one of those firefly that honestly hurts. would be um for good or ill, Fight Club was that. Fight Club did not do well initially, but it gathered some of that for the wrong reasons, but it did gather a following after the fact. Um, I'm trying to think of uh, a lot. It happens with comedies, I think, quite often. Halloween Season of the Witch. <laughs> Halloween Season of the Witch is actually a great a great example of that. Um, Ace Zardoz. Ah. Zardoz. To, to be fair, technically, yes, you could say Wizard of Oz would be considered a cult classic. It was not a big hit when it came out. Same thing with It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life didn't take on the status that it has until it became public domain and every TV station could play it for free. I've never seen any of those movies. You've never seen uh, The Wizard of Oz? Nope. Hmm. Never seen what? Wizard of Oz, never seen It's a Wonderful Life, never seen Zardoz. Or whatever that is. Well, two yeah. out of three are worth watching, uh, unless unless you want to see, unless you want to see Sean Connery with a gray ponytail in a mankini, then see Zardoz. Oh, that one, yes. Why haven't you, I watched that? Wait a minute. <laughs> you've seen that gift. You definitely have seen that. Uh, oh my God, Scott! Right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, Halloween Three is is a cult classic. It took many years for that to kind of gain that status. 
Uh, but it's definitely gotten there now. It's got a much bigger appreciation than it used to. Um, but I, you know, movies, uh, Escape from LA or not LA in New York, Escape from LA is not great, but I don't hate it. Uh, Escape from New York was kind of that. Actually, John Carpenter made quite a few cult classics. Um, yeah. Uh, Big yeah, Trouble in Little China. In horror, a, sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say Big Trouble in Little China is like that. It didn't do well initially, but it has a rabid fan base of people that love it. Um, so, you know, horror movies do get that quite a bit. I will yeah. agree with you there. Um, and a lot of that is because critics don't like them. And so they get panned by a lot of critics, but then they have a rabid fan base. Um, like gripe with critics. Arr. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer's Body. That's like. That's a recent That's one. a movie because I hadn't, I didn't see it for a really long time. And then when I watched it, I'm like, where was this movie? <laughs> where was this movie when I was, you know, my teenager or whatever, you know, like just. In the dumpster where it belonged. Well, somewhere between that movie and this movie is like something I needed to watch when I was like in my teenage years going through, you know, uh, puberty, I guess you would say. Sure. Or whatever. <laughs> I needed to watch these movies. You know, another one that, that had a big fan base um, eventually or more appreciation for it is uh, Dark City um, is a movie that didn't do well. Oh, I love that. And it's such that. a good movie. Um, it was it's ready the, for us if you want to. Yeah, watch it. you'll you'll want to watch okay. it. It's good. I've covered it on the show. Um, it is di- Al- director Alex Proyas, who had made The Crow a couple of years before that, um, and it's it's great sci-fi. But it didn't. It wasn't a big hit. However, it got more popular um, and it grew a fan base after the fact. So it definitely is a cult classic. Ferris Bueller's Day Off, to an extent, I would say. Yeah, Phil, you're right. Carpenter's whole career is a lot of cult classics. Um, so, you know, it, it, do you have, Monica, do you have a favorite? Uh, you mentioned Jennifer's Body. Would you say that was would be one for you or? Um, I mean, probably like, of uh, like, just there's that whole group of like, uh, I don't know if these would necessarily count, but they're definitely what I would consider. So like, you know, like, uh, what was that one we just watched? Slumber Party Massacre and uh, just uh, Chopping Mall, Night of the Comet, like, Things like that where it's like these horror movies that like were obviously they're campy, they're cheesy, they're low budget and all that. But like later on, people just latch on to them, you know, like there's like a big. Well, you know what I mean? Like just the cult. That's what I feel like. Yeah. Kurt mentions Buckaroo Banzai. That's a great one. And there's it feels like there's kind of two different versions of a cult classic, too. And and correct me if I'm wrong or if you think differently than this, but I feel like cult classics come in one of two flavors, either a slumber party massacre or a chopping mall or the room where it's a so bad it's enjoyable in a group of people setting where the movie itself is not like nobody is going to sit here and tell you that chopping mall is a good film, right? It's not it's not paced well. It's not good film. I'm talking, I, I'm talking a hard thing for me to define. Like I don't, I can't be the one that I don't think I'm the one that defines those things. In other words, like I can only tell what I enjoy as a movie. Okay. But the enjoyment that you're getting from something like chopping mall is not because it's technic the, the technical sound nature of how it was presented to you. It's not uh, the the quality of writing or the emotion you get out of it. You're enjoying it in a in an ironic fashion, as opposed to a cult classic like say uh, Dark City, which is it wasn't appreciated uh, when it came out. It's actually really well made. It's really well done. Okay, so you're saying like a well so well made versus not well made movie kind of thing. So then I can get behind that one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to say bad sometimes because bad kind of like i don't know it connotates something different or i don't know maybe you know but like it's they're all like low budget not well made people just threw together whatever to make the movie or like they earnestly tried to just make a cheap horror movie and so yes it's not going to win an oscar basically right right all of all of roger corman's films for instance (laughs) well yeah yeah yeah. and then there's movies that people really work their butt off and they did all the right stuff but just didn't get picked yeah so like yeah yeah, it's it's a well it's a well made movie, 
It, it, there's no reason for it not to have done well at the box office, and it just didn't, but then it gains appreciation over time. Or there's a movie that's just, it's a camp fest, it's so bad, it's enjoyable to watch with a group of people, um, and both of those go well. Um, uh, there's nothing wrong with either of those. The, the entirety of trauma films are essentially poorly made cult mm-hmm. movies, right? That's that's what they're, the whole point of those are. Toxic Avenger. It's supposed to be that. It's supposed to be campy. It did both of those things. But you're not watching Classic that. Classic Nukem High. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Plan 9 from Outer Space, yes. Uh, now, Ed Wood thought he was making high art, um, and he wasn't. But, you know, that's a whole different story. That's a whole different he conversation. probably was high. That's also true. Uh, you're not wrong there. Um, Ernest goes like to, it. insert name here, our cult classics. Uh, yeah, I would say that. I mean, I love Ernest Scared Stupid. It's one of my favorite movies to watch around Halloween. It's dumb. It's objectively not well made. Like, it looks like a TV movie, and it kind of is. Yeah. It, it's <laughs> Ernest. But it's it's fun, right? So there's nothing wrong with finding a movie that's fun. I, I will say that I'm embarrassed to say that I like Ernest movies, though. I'm not ashamed to say Oh, I love them. I'm not ashamed. I, I saw I saw Ernest Scared I mean, Stupid I'm not saying I haven't screen. watched them a bunch of times. <laughs> I'm not going around being like, Ernest is my favorite. But, like, <laughs> he did make Ernest me Ernest goes to jail. Oh, my God, I watched that so many times. Don't tell anyone. Ernest I, Saves Halloween or whatever, whatever the Halloween one was. That Ernest was Scared bad. Stupid. I, it was so bad. Ernest I, Saves Christmas. I, like I unabashedly love those movies and I will quote them out loud in front of other people. I don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ernest scared stupid. Ernest saves Christmas is the other one. Uh, I've seen that movie probably. Ernest goes to camp or to, yeah, Ernest goes to Ernest camp. Ernest goes to camp is another one. I feel judged. <laughs> I feel well, really judged right now, Phil. <laughs> well, it's the multiple times thing, right? You've seen Ernest movies multiple times, but you've never seen the wizard of Oz. And, and, because and the, the reason wizard of Oz scared me. Okay. I'm going to tell you. That's fair. That's it's fair. not Return to Oz. It's just, right, it's not Return to I've Oz. I've seen Wicked. I've but, seen a stage production of Wicked in Broadway, So, but that's different. I think it's more surprising you haven't seen The Wizard of Oz because it plays on TV, or at least it did, all, all the time. I think Turner had it and probably played it on one of their Turner network stations at least, I don't know, half a dozen the times witch. a year. The witch melted. They melted a lady. Like, this... And they put a house on another one. Like, I know the story, at least. Like, I know what happens in it, but I don't... I don't want to watch that. And there's, like, a weird girl, and she's got, like, animals and stuff. And I'm like, what is this? Yeah. Um, now, Wesley, you never got a chance to really answer the cult classic uh, question. So, now that we've uh, gone off on a tangent for a little while, let's circle back. Did you think of something? Well, I'm going to remain Evil Dead movies. Uh, I would say Phantasm probably counts. Ooh, Phantasm, yeah. yeah. That's a good choice, too. Back for the man in the ice cream man. Uh, a Christmas yes, story, Ace. Done. That's what you're thinking of, Ace in the chat. Uh, a Christmas story. You could is, have muted it out. Is that? Um, how about you, Christina? Uh, would this? Uh, would you say it was Rocky Horror? That would be your favorite cult Rock- classic. Yes. Okay. So outside of Rocky Horror, what would be maybe your second favorite? The Evil Dead series. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Yeah, that was definitely the other, you know, because it didn't do well in theaters. It got put on a bunch of video nasties lists, but it had a huge growth in home video market. So, yeah, I would have stone. also said Evil Dead, but I, uh, you know, this is my boomstick. Army of Darkness. Like, did I ever tell you the first time I watched Evil Dead was all three movies in one night? No, but that's good, a good way good to choice. do it. That's interesting. That was an interesting night. Romancing the Stone is a good one. Uh, Night of the Living Dead, yeah, what? that's a that's another one. Those are those are movies mm-hmm. that didn't do great uh, in their initial runs, but they garnered. Did they... Return of the Living Dead do well? Because I feel like that could be another one. I, I mean, know. there's very few horror movies that you can say did well, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Alien. The, the, there's a sliding oh, scale. Yeah, true. I mean, Alien, Scream, um, Halloween. Well, nowadays they do a lot better. They do. It seems that's for sure. You, you but. You know, uh, I, I would put Texas Chainsaw Massacre was a kind of a cult classic. Mm-hmm. It didn't do great mm-hmm. on its initial run, but it definitely grew as it went. And oh my god, yeah. And what I like about it is when you get a fan base that's super passionate about something, as long as they're not shitty about it, um, which sadly some fan bases are. Um, but 
when you get a fan base that is passionate, like a Rocky Horror Picture Show fan base, people love it and they just want to share it with people. They just want other people to see it. They want to to de-virginize everybody and have them all see this movie. Um, and I, I appreciate that. Uh, I, I love the fact that I love the fact that Rocky Horror is still playing in theaters forty mm-hmm. plus years later. Um, and not just like one off, you know, oh, uh, some theater decided to show it one time. Like I saw The Running Man in a theater two years ago. Um, but that was just happened to be a one. Like it's consistently playing for 40 years. That's amazing to me. Um, and I know the theater in Germany, I think they, they hand out like kits when you go to the movie that have rice and they have the like a piece of newspaper you can hold over your head. Um, which yeah. did you did you notice uh, in that Shout scene? Out where she's... the best newspaper of all time. Yeah. <laughs> Walking miles, pouring rain, and that newspaper just held on. Like... So, so did you notice how where she was holding on to the newspaper looked wet, but the rest of it didn't? And it's because they put plastic over the newspaper, except where she was holding on to it. So if you go back and watch it again, you'll see there's like this half circle part in the corners where it's noticeably darker. Because that's actual newspaper getting wet and the rest of it's covered. So it didn't, oh, I didn't get wet. I didn't even notice that. <laughs> that cracked just me thought, up. Wow. Yeah. The other thing is, is that, so this was my first time watching it. So, you know, but I'm going to get to watch it again. And like when, you know, things start to clear up with, you know, being able to go back to theaters and all that more mm-hmm. and more, you know, I will be able to go and, and do the thing and. I can pretend I'm not a virgin when I'm there, but you know. Well, you're not. You're, you're not. You've, you've seen, seen the movie. The movie. Yeah, that's true. But so you I don't know, know any of the stuff, so. No, but I'm you'll at like... least remember. You'll you'll recognize. Yeah, like right. you'll have the recall when you see it. You'll remember. Oh, that this was. Also, did you notice um, Tim Curry in the beginning? Uh, yes, the wedding scene. in the back is the priest All or whatever. Yep, he's All there. I was like, wow, he looks so. <laughs> straight faced and mad or whatever. I don't know. And then he just turned around for the rest of the scene. It was weird. Oh, <laughs> He's, he I just was turns also, around and walks away. That's, that's the best part. Wesley had mentioned something. Cause we were talking to him about how there there's all the stuff that happens, but like, did anyone ever like write that out in like a book or something? So like, you know what the parts to do the things are when you go to the theater. I'm sure somebody's probably like what had to yell like, out. And... There's websites, but it's also in the book or in the movie. Yeah, in the in DVD. The really? Part of part of the DVD. Oh, because we that. watched it streaming. Yeah. Okay. Uh huh. So yeah, I. Um, That'd be interesting. You know, it's yeah. There you go. Audience participation prop list. You have you have That's that right so in the cool. DVD. And you can do it at home. Well, sure. Yeah, you can. Pe- I know people that have had Rocky Horror Picture Show watch parties where they just get like a bunch of their friends to hang out at their house and do all that stuff and yell at the screen and sing along. You better all vacuum the rice before you leave. Well, yeah. Or, or lay down yeah, a tarp. I, yeah. Um, the theater that I would go to, you could do everything but the rice. Oh. And I don't blame them for that. And a lot of places yeah. would, uh, like, they'll give you, like, a roll for the toast. So when he says, I propose a toast, and everyone just chucks a roll at the screen. Yep. Stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the theater I would go to, they would, uh, for the price of the ticket, because the ticket, I think, was like 15 bucks, but mm-hmm. they gave you the goodies. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a ton of, it's a ton of fun. I also love, I, I'm going to come back to the music, because there's so many great songs in this, but man, Time Warp. Oh. Time Warp is just my favorite. Just... Who? Can't which, help but dance. Which one of them? Was it Patricia Quinn, or is it Nell Campbell? Christina, you might know. That's hitting the high notes in Time Warp. Was that uh, Columbia? It's now. It's, yeah, it's okay. Columbia. It's high notes every time she opens her mouth. Because holy crap, those notes she's hitting in Time Warp are insanely high. She she is um, she is definitely something. Like as soon as I heard her, I just had like mm-hmm. this. Uh, I can't think of the other woman that she makes me think of the way that she talks, but just like amazing. Yeah. No, she's my favorite. Yeah. Columbia? She's definitely like yep. spectacular because just, wow. I mean, if I have to pick a favorite, it's Riff Raff. Riff Raff is just fun. He's he's yeah. crazy. Uh, plus, he, he and he and Magenta get those awesome costumes at the end when he comes out with his uh, oh, yeah. laser. Yep. 
this laser gun, his his tri-pronged, like, pitchfork-looking laser gun. <laughs> it's the most ridiculous <laughs> thing I've ever seen. Well, it's it's a callback to the beginning of the movie when he's holding a pitchfork. Yeah, I know, when they're remaking or when they're uh, replicating American Gothic. Oh, yeah. Because they're the old, they're the American Gothic couple, right? Yep. Is that yep. what it was? Yeah. Oh, my God. I didn't notice that was them, though. Yeah, it was uh, all... Because there was Tim Curry, the two of them, and then um, Columbia's there too. I can't remember who she yep. is in the beginning. She's she's the other one that's walking around with Patricia, okay, uh, singing, "Oh Brad." Oh yeah, in the "Damn It oh, Janet" Brad. song. Yep. Oh, <clears throat> they're the sad people. Yes. Yep. Okay. That was. <laughs> Damn it, Janet. That's a great song too, and I love the deadpan look of them when it, when they start when it cuts to them saying Janet for the first time and they're just completely expressionless I can't help but laugh every Janet. time Janet cuz it's just like oh, all right we'll do this like that that would be me in a musical if I existed in the world of a musical I, that would be me just standing stone straight and delivering the lyrics but not wanting to be there I thought he was going to shy away from commitment at first cuz he was all like oh you sure grab that bouquet well and I'm like Okay, dude, if you don't want to, you know, marry her or whatever, like, just tell her, man, just go. But then he's all like, we're going to have a life together. Here's a ring. And I'm like, oh, sh- sh- shoot. Yeah. 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 And, and what about when Brad's talking to the groom and they're punching each other? <laughs> yeah. So did you know there's a sequel to this? Yep. Is well, that the. I figured you knew. What's it called? Shock uh, Treatment? Or shock something? Treatment. Yep. yep. Is that is it. It's called Shock Treatment. And uh, it came out in 1981 as a movie uh, starring Richard O'Brien, uh, also directed by Jim Sharman. Um, I haven't seen that one. I'm kind of curious to watch it because it looks interesting. It also has Brad and Janet in it, but I don't believe the movie has. It's a different. Yeah, Brad and Janet are played by different people um, in uh. that. But it does bring back Richard O'Brien, uh, Patricia Kelly, and Charles Gray, and Nell Campbell. It has Rick Mayall in it. So. Oh. I love Rick Mayall. Yeah. I knew of Shock Treatment, but I didn't know much about it. Uh, but I, I kind of want to see it. Just just to say I saw it. <laughs> also, you have this show, if you didn't know. I, I do. Wait, you haven't seen? <laughs> yeah, uh, but just without... I mean, I'll watch... I'd watch it, but like without, without Tim Curry... Hmm. It's well, I mean, hard... his his character can't really come back. Yeah, I know, but can't they? He's an alien. Like maybe that didn't kill him. I don't know. Like, I like that. So you know who was also almost... wasn't expecting the alien thing. By the way, <laughs> like not at all. Well, what that I like, what I like is that they they have that throwaway line from Riff Raff where he's like, you know, this human, and he slap he slaps him, and he's like, this person, and then later on, it's you know, it's revealed they are definitely aliens. Uh, I, I like that. So. Vincent Price was offered the role as the criminologist. As much as I like Charles Gray, I'm really interested to see the version of this live in the universe where he is the criminologist. He had to turn it down because of scheduling conflicts. But he would have been, been great. Oh, he would have been What amazing. was that movie that we watched with him being funny in it, uh, Dreadly? The one where it's like a spoof horror movie? I don't remember. It's like a spoof. Oh, my God. He was great in that. And he's just like so... I didn't think he could be funny until I saw that movie. Oh, Vincent Price (laughs) is brilliant. Yeah. He's hilarious. Uh, I'm looking through some of my trivia. Everett V. Scott crashes through the wall because the set builders forgot to put an extra door. Um, Barry Boswick, when he pounds his fist on the table during the dinner scene, he actually... He accidentally um, hit Susan Sarandon. And so her reaction to that is genuine because uh, he hit her hand. So later on, she got revenge by <clears throat> accidentally stepping on his foot while wearing spike heels. Oh, <laughs> so, that seems a little bit harsher, but sure. Um, also, another casting one. Uh, so Vincent Price almost was the criminologist. You know who was almost Brad? And again, I want to see this version of it. I love Barry Bostwick, but Steve Martin auditioned to be Brad. Oh and God. I would like to see that. To see a young Steve Martin as Brad Majors would have been interesting to me. Christina, you, you're, but I, I like Steve Martin. Was he still white haired at seventy like five? This I could. Uh, he might have had gray hair by then. I'm not sure. But um, it's the thing is, you have to think he about have him. Innocent look. 
Well, it, you got to look at him. This is this would have been pre SNL Steve Martin. Yeah. So he would have been really young. Um, but I could I could see him now. He's not going to have the presence that Barry Bostwick does because Bostwick is six foot four. He's a very tall guy. I mean, you look at him standing next to Tim Curry, who's wearing platform yeah. heels, and he and Bostwick is still taller than him. Mm-hmm. Can I point out that? Um he had to be packing like a sock in there because that's not, that's not what that looks like. Okay. Are you sure? <laughs> um, I'm positive because it wasn't the right shape. I'm gonna say unless I'm really. Everyone else looked fine, but he just had. I don't know. This is my opinion. I... Or it was just What's Barry that? and his Bostwick. Who knows? <laughs> you, you never know. Um, this actually is talking about cult films. This ranked number two on entertainment weekly's top 50 cult films of all time. Um, <clears throat> now it's What's entertainment weekly. One? It's entertainment weekly. So I sort of take their list with a little bit of a grain of salt anyway. However, their number one was a good, uh, cult classic. And that was, this is spinal tap. So Ugh, I, th- I think, does that. I think that this is a better cult classic than that. Um, however, I love this as Spinal Tap, so you know, I don't I don't mind that. But I would put this ahead of that in terms of cult classics, personally. Never seen this as Spinal Tap. I know, I know. We talked about that before. We talked about that yes. uh, with what we do in the. It's shadows. funny because on lists also, like we looked at the parody films and stuff. Because Spinal Tap is usually number one. Sometimes it's three, and it's switched with I forget what the movie is, but Airplane is always the number two parody movie. Yes. It's so funny. No matter what list you look at, it's number, number two. One. <laughs> uh, it might and, be his favorite. And one more uh, trivia piece that I just I had to chuckle when I read this. In interviews, writer and director Jim Sharman suggested that Time Warp has political connotations in its lyrics, a jump to the left and then a step to the right. It remains unclear where the pel- pelvic thrust fits into this theory. I, I can make a comment, but a, I will not. A plus trivia writing because that's dumb as shit. I'm sorry. That's a, that's terrible. That's terrible. But it made me laugh. Um, I have a couple of, of clips I have to play because the 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 interesting thing was when I was going through to record audio, I realized that so much of this movie is is songs that clipping finding uh, like little clips to play isn't super easy. Um, but we get. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. And I kind of want to just start like every show I ever make ever from now on with that. Because that sounds perfect. great, actually. Right before the music. Mm-hmm. Um, That's great. This one, uh, it, it's, it predates uh, by nine, almost, almost ten years, actually, um, Back to the Future. Great Scott! So... I got that. Also, play it again. Play it again. Listen to this and tell me that doesn't sound a little like Steve Martin. Great Scott! It honestly, a little bit. I could tell you this is Steve Martin saying that. If you didn't, if you hadn't seen the movie, you probably could believe it. Um, it does sound like him. Uh, there's also. Besides, darling, the owner of that phone might be a beautiful woman, and you might never come back again. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it was a beautiful person. I will say that. It was uh it was Tim Curry. I mean, you know. Um I did get some riffraff lines that uh for one. Hello. First first <laughs> line he says and I'm like, "Yep, I'm sold. I'm recording that one." And then he got to say it again later on with and "Hello." What a great hello. It, Come on, that's so good. That just and "Hello." Oh, love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I also liked his reaction. And I didn't capture the second part of this line, but it, it is really funny. But it's when he looks at uh, at Janet and he just says, You're all wet. You're all wet. Yes, it's raining. <laughs> Her yes. reaction is so good. Um, and one more riffraff, which was, I think perhaps you better both come inside. I don't know why. He just cracks me up so much. And then I got a lot that of Frank. entire entrance scene. Yeah. I was just thinking, is this young Frankenstein? Yeah. It has a little <laughs> of that feel, doesn't it? 
We've got. Please tell um, me you got my favorite part. <laughs> well, uh, so I've got some uh, some Tim Curry lines here. Um, first, there was uh, this one. Well, what have you done with Brad? Uh, well, nothing. Why do you think I should? So he said, <laughs> he says that, and then the next scene is. What have you done with Janet? Uh, nothing. Why do you think I should? <laughs> oh. He's great. Um, you've got. Uh, oh, this one I, I titled "Forceful." How forceful you are, Brad. Ah, well, it's because that's what he said. Um, what do we got? Uh, Assessment of manhood. Yes. Oh, boy, he just... I mean, tone it down there, Tim. You thirsty boy. And swallow raw eggs. I don't know why that just made me laugh, the way he said. Mm-hmm. And swallow raw eggs. Raw eggs. Raw eggs. Um, one of the fourth wall breaks. It's not easy having a good time. It's not easy. Uh, where do we Even go? Smiling makes me hurt. Yeah. Oh, um, this one just because this has a this was a nice multiple entendre. Coming. <laughs> it's the chuckle at the end of it that sells that. It made me laugh a ton. Uh, and of course, everyone. Even if you haven't seen the movie, you know. I see you shiver with anticipation. Uh, it's a good one, isn't it? Patient. <laughs> and Can I, I tell th- you how that affected me, by the way, during the movie? I'm just going to tell you. Tell it me. It did. It affected me. Did it? Well, I don't think I could say it on your podcast. I see you <laughs> shiver with anticipation. Well, the, the callback at that time is you scream at the, t- at the screen, say it. <laughs> Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Yep. Oh, my God. I uh, just wanted to wait for him. A couple of years ago, there was a Twitter account, and they put in, I see you shiver with Antissa, and then 365 days later, they put patient. And those were the those were the two consecutive tweets from that account. Whoever oh did that, that is dedication. Because <laughs> um, this was... Is that pri- the last clip? It was prior to um, there being scheduled tweets. So somebody actually had oh my to, god! Somebody actually had to that wait a full year. <laughs> Still need to finish it. So, what was your favorite moment? Because apparently, I didn't capture uh, it. It's it's really stupid, and I feel like it's in a lot of movies. But it's all like that. Janet, Brad. Oh Brad, yeah, Janet. Doctor Scott. <laughs> it's just like it's just. I think they do it in so many movies, but it it just made me laugh because they went on so long that I thought maybe that my thing was messing up and I'm like, maybe I, is it frozen? <laughs> because they <laughs> use the same exact shots for the first two. So you're right. It does. You're like, wait a minute. Did, did it just loot? What happened? Oh, okay. It's, it's perfectly well done. Like that's, that's one of those where it's a joke moment where it goes on. It's funny. It goes on to the part of being like, oh, this is almost too long, but it loops back around to being funny by the end of it. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Janet, Brad, Dr. Scott, Rocky. <laughs> oh, it's good stuff. I, I thoroughly enjoy this movie, and I'm glad that you got to see it. Um, Tell us about it, Janet. I do wish we could have shown it to you for the first time in a theater with a bunch of people. That's the only regret, I would say, that I have in hey, showing you this movie. But let, you'll get to. But let me let me also say that that's, that's like... Like, the whole virgin thing is really funny and cool, but at the same time, just remember. It gets better the next time and the next time and the next time, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, I'm yeah, ready for each, it. Each time you see it, you pick up on little things here and there that yeah, add but to also, it. also sex. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> that too, yes. It just, it, you know, it only gets better. It's not going to get... Uh, yeah, so. You know... You. That cool. depends on who you're with. Also true. Yeah, that's true. Um, uh, honestly, Tim Curry could have probably nev- done nothing in his career except this movie, Legend, and It, and he would have had a fantastic career. Clue. Yes, Clue. Clue. Yes. Clue but is probably I'm, my favorite movie with him. I'm in the minority of people that like Murder by Death more than Clue. And I love Clue. I've never seen Murder by Death. So. I'll show it to you sometime. <laughs> That's a good one. It's, it is, Murder by Death is proto-Clue. Like, Clue got a lot of its influence from that movie. 
Um, but he's great in that too. I'm just saying like this movie legend and it could have been the only three things he ever did. And his career would have been great. He's so good in this. He just embodies Frankenford and he dives into it so much. And honestly, I'm jealous of his legs. His legs look great. I wish I had his legs everything like looks great. Well, true. I mean, like the platforms help. Mm-hmm. I can't run in those. Sure. Are you kidding me? I, mean, I could you, never run in those. Did you see what the what the heels did for Doctor for Doctor Scott? They made his legs mm-hmm. look good, and his legs don't work. So Damn. <laughs> he wasn't even standing. Like, that's not how that works. His legs were probably just great to begin with. Maybe. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm really, really glad that you got to see this movie and, and at least had fun with it. Um, so good, 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 good. Uh, now the four of us, we, we've wrapped up, we have, uh, done all of October. Spooktober has been, uh, the, the four people, the four voices you're hearing on this episode, but it's not the only place you can hear us. Um, Monica has started a show and has, uh, gracefully invited the three of us to be her co-hosts. Uh, Monica, what's that show? So it's all about... Why. It's all about Ernest's movies, right? Yes. Uh, I don't believe so. I, I don't think I've ever watched an Ernest movie before. Uh, but yeah, so we uh, we do a horror podcast called Gore. That's Yeah, that's gore. Like, you know, you see in bloody... Anyway, so you can find us at... Um, what is it? Anchor.fm slash... I should have written this down and I forgot. We're on Anchor. Yes, Anchor.fm... Anchor.fm slash gore podcast. Correct. Thank you for that. Or follow us on Twitter at, at gore podcast. Um, we just wrapped up. Wait a minute. We just released episode two. Mm-hmm. We did the burning. There's episode. So we have two episodes out currently. You should go listen to them. The first one is malignant. The second one is the burning. And the third one is going to be on its way in the next couple of weeks. And that is, should I tell you or should I leave you in anticipation? <laughs> I'm going to stretch it out uh, as long yeah. as I need to. The gap Thank is going to get there. the gap between those will get longer every time. I'm sorry. Also, um, I might actually want to use some of your clips from tonight in the show. But um, but yeah, check us out. We're going to be there and talking about horror movies. And this will probably come up in a couple of years again. And I'll have to make Dreadly watch it again. <clears throat> oh, he'll love it, won't you? Won't you? Those eyes say everything. Yes. And it's not, uh, one of the things with that show is that we are not just talking about uh, our favorite horror movies. We are watching uh, horror movies in general, whether they are good or they're The Burning. Um, It doesn't really matter. We're going to watch them. So. uh, My heart. Yes. Yes. I want to make that point. Yeah. Uh, We 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 watch every horror movie because. We are non discriminatory. We so. out of movies. <laughs> um, now, if you want to be in the chat uh, for this show and be like Ace uh, or Phil, Rev Fry, I saw Leaping Duck in there, Bombats was there earlier. Um, I record this show Sunday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern time at twitch.tv slash TV's Travis. Come hang out, uh, yell stuff at us. Kit London's in there too. Uh, there was a good discussion going on about um, favorite uh, cult classics, uh, which was pretty cool to, to check out. So if you wanna if you wanna be in that chat, come hang out at twitch.tv slash TVstravis. The show comes out Wednesdays. Uh, TVstravis.com is the easiest place to find it, but anywhere you get podcasts, Apple, um, Google, etc. Um, and if you can leave a rating and review, that helps us. Uh, us, and by us I mean me, um, a lot uh, to be more discoverable. Now next week, it's funny that we mentioned cult classics and we mentioned this is Spinal Tap because I'm uh, I'm scheduled to watch that. Uh, for next week's show with uh, Launching the Pilot podcast um, is going to come on and talk with me about that. So, uh, And then I've got a couple other good ones coming up uh, in November. Um, and then we'll get into December, and I'm not sure if I'm doing Christmas movies or if I am what I'm doing yet. Uh, I have not scheduled December, so we'll find out. But uh, until next week, and um, <clears throat> this is Spinal Tap, I want to say thank you to all three of you for coming on all month. You guys have been great. Um, it's been a ton of fun doing Yay. horror movies. I'll miss you. I mean, we'll still get to talk. Uh, it just I won't be the audience, every not week. You. Oh, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I get to talk to you yeah. whenever I want. Um, I would but, just like to thank mm-hmm. the audience for putting up with me all these weeks. And Aww. Hopefully oh, you're fine, they'll have Dreadly. me back in a year. 
Aww. Well, you know, maybe if uh, maybe if I had picked movies that you like, because you didn't seem to like much of anything that I picked for this month, Aww. it seems, and I'm sorry. He liked what I'll he just, picked. That's true. Yeah. I'll, I'll just pick next year's movie. Oh, okay. I see how it is. All right. No, but uh, but honestly, thank you guys, all all three of you, for being on all month. Um, this was great fun. Uh, I enjoy doing these uh, silly horror movies, whether they're uh, you know a, a cheesy horror comedy like what we do in the shadows, or uh, Slumber Party Massacre. I did have fun watching it. That's fine. At least there wasn't two. <laughs> yeah, also true. Worse. That's next year's. Or three. Three's worse than two. two I don't. Three I don't... will make you like two. <laughs> Oh boy, that's not that's not selling it for me at all. Um, but no, thank you, thank you so much, thank you everybody listening, thank you everybody in the chat room. You guys are great, love you all. Um, so until next week, until uh, I watch this is Spinal Tap and show it to somebody for the first time ever, uh, it goes to eleven. Remember, um, this has been Wait You Haven't Seen. Uh, enjoy your movies, everybody, and be good, be excellent to each other. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>